1: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio.
2: Hello, Chris Evans here to thank you for listening to my podcast.
1: This week on
2: the podcast, Strictly Come Dancing's Anton Dubeck, Dame Kelly Holmes, singer powerhouse Michael Ball, Queen Victoria herself, Jenna Coleman, super estate agent Sarah Beanie, and the legend that is Johnny Marr. All of that and more on the way. Enjoy my friends, enjoy! (laughs) Oh my goodness me, if it ain't Anton Dubeck. Let's give him his big intro. Dave, it's over to you, my friend.
3: Our next guest is a strictly-come-dancing legend who's revealed himself to be a man of many talents. He's gone from stage to page, from ballroom to ballpoint. Please welcome the author of One Enchanted Evening. Out now in paperback, it's Anton Dubeck. Boing, Charlie.
4: Hello, but can I... Take him everywhere I go, please. Yeah, Before I enter a he's room, great, I'd like him to sort of go there first the and say he's the best. He's a, thank you very much. It was
2: beautiful. Voice over Dave Dapperday, producer Dave, um, superstar of high-end TV adverts, Dave. Look
4: at him, all he, he, handsome fellow with a very trendy beard. He's Look done the Heineken he Zero good, advert. Has he? Yeah, he's, he's got the most. Excellent star, beard. I like that beard. I thank like you. a man with a beard like that. I don't like the scrawny beard. I like <laughs> the good beard. The so like, beard you can see through. <laughs> Have, a nope. Have a shave shave <laughs> This is a good beard I like this This is a all oh, look Stylish beard Lovely I, th- I think it's a bit over <laughs> <laughs> It's a beard that's had some time spent on it a, I, like I just think beard. it's had a bit too much time spent on it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, the, but but only because I'm jealous because I couldn't grow one. I couldn't grow one like that. I, like I that. am from the Corbyn School of Bed Growing.
4: Mine comes out in various colours. <laughs> yes, that <so> is <does> mine. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but which betrays
2: other things that might be going on <laughs> that you don't <laughs> want people to notice. <laughs> oh, an enchanted evening oh, hoo, look at comes that. a night of romance. So this is now. Look, so you had you had the hardback copy which we yeah. talked about mm. endlessly on radio two. Thank um, you. And now you have the, the paperback, mm. and the paperback can have things on the front cover that the hardback couldn't because it was a new book. Things like the Sunday Times bestselling novel. Well done.
4: Thank you very much. I can't tell you how elated <laughs> I, I am about oh it. it. It's, so, it's been so exciting, I can't even begin to tell you. And I've got... <laughs> Come on. It doesn't sound like... I'm, I'm not trying... not plug in here I'm just this is just a, just a just chatting we're just talking we've got another book coming out in October another uh, sort of the secret right well this.
2: we'll see you then thank you very much we'll Anton right yeah <laughs> but
4: this has been so brilliant
2: uh, fast forward to October 2019 so Anton Debeck, tell us about your
4: second uh, novel <laughs> God, What's going on? Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's a what? Let me tell you about this. The the, the thing about the first novel, yeah, I'll, it, and I don't well, mean, I'll be back to the no, first novel? i to the process. <laughs> I don't but can we go here. I found it quite an easy story to tell because it's a story of my life, but not autobiographical. It says all the people I've ever met. Like so that. it was lovely. I felt. Inspired by a true story. There you are. And the second one, on the other hand, tricky because. <laughs> You now I've got it. Oh, now okay. Tricky. So what am I going to do with this? Am I going to set it? Am I going to just do a completely different novel? Mm-hmm. Am I going to set it in the future? Is it going to have any relation to the first novel? The characters are going to be the same? How far in advance am I going to set it? Do I kill anybody off? Do I bring anybody? Oh, decisions, decisions. Don't, don't write the first novel. How do you think
2: Steven Spielberg sleeps at night? Oh,
4: I don't know. I don't know. So so,
2: oh, so have you started
4: so, it yet? Uh, yes, halfway through it. Okay. So, so it's really exciting, and that's exciting, but the, I, I'm, I can't tell you how grateful I am to everybody for um, buying it and reading it and being enthusiastic about it and, and enjoying it and, and saying all the nice things I have been and, and to you for ha- allowing me to sort of talk about it when, it, like in October and things because it's been such a wonderful enjoyable trip. Mm. Um, how, firstly, doing it because it's that sort of thing that you, you I've wandered into Bonnier and said, listen, I've got this story I want to... Can I, can I do this? And I went, yeah, come on, let's do it. So that was... I love that. I love optimism. It's my favourite thing in the world. That's why I love you and you two <laughs> because you're optimistic and it's the most enjoyable, enthusiastic, uh, 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 energised yeah. thing in the world. Well, what's the alternative? What? Well, p- Tomo- p- what tomorrow's
2: not going to come. No. How about tomorrow... We'll probably come. How about that? How about that, Property Mr. Potentially. Okay, so um last week Round Trees announced the discontinuation of the Tutti Fruity. Wow. Last yes, it happened. So last Friday, uh, Anthony, our engineer, went round there um, there's many establishments here, as many confections around here, supermarkets, corner shops, whatever, uh, trying to bag the last packets of Tutti Frutti's, he, he bagged nine of them. We put seven on eBay. We got like uh, £3,000 for them, uh, for the seven bags. It, it, it was like £300 a bag for the last Tutti Frutti's on earth. Um, and uh, since then, round trees have been back in contact with us because in the round trees pick-a-mix, you can still get a Tutti Frutti. So what's going on? You can't have it both ways, round trees. Mm-hmm. And here is what their official statement said.
3: Sweet tastes and trends change over the years and Tutti Frutti's have become much less popular in the decade since their launch. In 2019, people prefer the jelly and foamy sweets you find in Roundtree's Randoms and that's why we've decided to concentrate on new products under the Randoms brand. Rubbish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Said the consumer. Uh, Roundtree's Randoms Squishums. So you've got your Squishems there. One of those, Rachel? Thank you. Family bag. left-hander. <laughs> uh, you've got your Randoms Foamies. Over to you. Uh, that's... Good left-handed catch from. Anton. Are you a lefty, by the way? Righty. Are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, randoms, rantries, randoms. Uh, generally over there to vast a smaller packet. And Randoms Easter mix, um, another chocolate to be beholden here. Uh, however, there are little sort of foamy rabbits and things like that. Is, it, is this? Just read, Can you read the first bit of that? How to get that press release?
3: Sweet tastes and trends change over the years, and tutti frutti's have become much less popular in the decades since their launch. Because they're
2: hard and crunchy, aren't they? I suppose. Mm.
3: Mm. In 2019, people prefer the jelly and foamy sweets you find in Roundtree's Randoms, and that's why we've decided to concentrate on new products under the Randoms brand. This is the
4: Haribo effect. It is the Haribo it's effect, isn't the Haribo it? It's entirely Haribo. That's what it is, isn't it's the Haribo it? Effect. Okay, so it's everyone's r- jumping on the Haribo bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Let Haribo have their bandwagon. You invent your own bandwagon. They did that.
2: that. They did, on Channel Five every weekend now. They do um, sure Britain's favourite. It was sweet, wasn't it? And Haribo was number one. And over the weekend, they did Britain's favourite crisps. Do you remember? And there was the big hoo ha because the, they call it the Pyramid Three. The gold, silver, bronze. Did you read about this? Uh, gold, silver, bronze were Doritos, Pringles, and another. And I can't remember yep. what the another was. And Real Crisp fan says Doritos, don't think so. Pringles, don't think so. Where do you sit on this, Mr. Snack Boy, Mr. Strictly Snack Boy? <laughs> on to have a crisp. A, you don't have to have an opinion. <laughs> I, I, I say. I ch- don't really eat them. S- uh, so many chipsticks all the way. ridged Chili McCoys. <gasps> That's a good answer. What's Thanks. it? what's it's not really crisp more 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 of an afterthought <laughs> think <laughs> what do you think
5: dust yeah the, the, the <laughs> dust dust, dust. The sharper and saltier, the better. But I always find that the rest of the packet is just trying to recreate the hit from the first crisp because there's that there's that real sm- that first oh God, crisp. He, is one great. of we just thought about it too much? Moving on, God, everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio.
3: There is a tale of struggle behind most stories of success. A new audio show from Audible gives you a glimpse into the mental health battles of some of the UK's brightest talents. Please welcome the host of the brilliantly insightful What Do I Do? Mental Health and Me, it's Dame Kelly Holmes. Good morning, Kelly. Good
6: morning. How are you? I'm Good. It's welcome good to see welcome. you again.
2: This project you've done. Yes. Um, first of all, I'd love to see you again. But this project, I want to give it as much time as possible because it sounds amazing, and mm-hmm. we've heard. I've heard bits and bobs. Dave, who works on the show, he's heard loads of these. You've made eleven of these shows. What are they, and how how come they came about?
6: So they are um, insights into various people's lives, people that have kind of struggled with different adversities. Um, And the idea really was that I've been very open about my own mental health struggles, depression, self-harm, and I kind of came out in 2005 talking about it. But now we know that actually uh, people are listening. I thought, why not talk about people that, Maybe people in different industries know about, but actually do they really know and understand who yeah. they are? It was fascinating.
2: And you, you've said, you're on record saying, that when you talked about it in your book um, over 10 years ago now, you were all you, incredulous that more people didn't pick up on it and didn't talk about it. And that's sort of one of the reasons you did put it in print.
6: Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, when I talked about in my autobiography, it was to really say to people, yeah, I've gone and won two gold medals, but it wasn't just a click of the fingers or a quick thing or I was just superhuman. I was just, I had a journey. Really ups and downs, highs and lows, and the lows are really low. And when you then can come out successful, it was almost shown to people that there is a light at the end of a tunnel and you can still be you even if you go through those struggles. And I wanted that to be really raw in my book. But like I say, (laughs) it was on the front of the paper back then, but no one really cared because no one was talking about it. Now it's changed. Now it's changed. Why do you think
2: it's changed?
6: I think society's changed generally and more people are struggling, so you're seeing those problems that have come out. And of course, if it's in the public eye, then people then talk about it. And then when the princes come out and talked about the late mother and how they struggled, I think that really kind of catapulted that that awareness. Yeah, That was was the
2: moment, was it? Yeah. All right, so you talked to some... Really interesting people. Uh, but the format is you go somewhere, one of their happy places to talk to them. Uh, yeah. so, so Davina McCauley's one. So where did you go with Davina?
6: So Davina had a spinning class, of course. Right. <laughs> she <laughs> she, she like...
2: never stops spinning. <laughs> she
6: and I really thought to myself, God, I'm going to be the ex-Olympian here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like working hard just to make sure I was doing it. Anyway, we went there and then we went and sat in a hotel room and she was telling me about her addictions and obviously alcohol and um, heroin. And I, do you know what? I... I know Davina because I joined in a class, you see the energy, the high impact. And I'd heard she'd had addiction. I did not know how bad it was. And I was literally sitting there with my mouth open thinking, wow, because I know her, how she is now. Yeah, yeah. And to think how bad it was, and it was her friend that told her, if you don't get a grip, you're in serious trouble. And she yeah. said how bad it was. And I couldn't believe that she was, one, being so open about that problem, but equally to show that, again, somebody that you assume to be just on this kind of high all the time yeah, and yeah. really sort of energetic and seem like you're happy-go-lucky. But not everybody is. You know, we've all got something that's happened in our past that, and that coming out was really empowering, I think. It's
2: nobody's fault. That's the worst challenge of all, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When there's something wrong and it's nobody's fault.
6: Nobody's right. fault. I mean, some of the people on the... Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're going to list them, but Alistair Campbell, so... All I knew about him was politics and right-hand man to Tony Blair. And I kind of thought, right, I've got to take that away. Yeah, I've got to take that away. And I'm not seeing him for that reason. I'm seeing him because I'd heard about his story very little bit before I went in. And it was about a big psychotic es- episode that he had had. And it was really extreme. He got uh, arrested um uh, for being out on the street and basically taking his clothes off and stuff and he said the only saving grace for him is that he didn't go and retaliate and punch the uh, police officers otherwise he would have been jailed properly and um, that morning that I saw him he said he was actually in a really bad place and he wouldn't have got out of bed if I hadn't have gone and I thought, gosh, you know, I thought, wow. I mean, if That's there's one recently. thing... Yeah, this was only... Um, well, I filmed, finished it at the end of the year, so... Um, well, sorry, last year. Jenny, um, so then... What happened was, is we went up into his bathroom because his place was in his bathroom playing the bagpipes. That's his happy
2: place.
6: This is a place where, yeah, what he does to make him feel good. So it's what do I do, and it's where. How, he, how do the he... neighbors feel about it? <laughs> Apparently, they love it, and they get to play. <laughs> well, and they ask that's him to open story. his that's story. That's his story. I'm sitting on his toilet, you know, and I just thought somebody's going to jump out in a minute, but. I saw him go almost into a zone. Right. You know, he he's, he didn't seem any different to me in terms of, like, where he was in a bad place. He was just talking very welcoming. But he played the bagpipe, so it was quite powerful you know and having been in the military I kind of love all those big sounds then we went downstairs and he was really open with me about it if you
2: think uh, Kelly's lost the plot momentarily uh, which would (laughs) go with the theme of the conversation Um, she hasn't and if you don't believe us uh, we're going to play Alistair Campbell playing the bagpipes in the company of Dame Kelly Holmes
6: I goosebumps wow okay, this is like actually it's quite surreal <laughs> it's really surreal i mean why are the bagpipes
2: well i
1: can't play the piano
2: <laughs> this is the only instrument
3: i could play
1: the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky the best entertainment all in one place on virgin radio
3: Joining us now is a former colleague and current friend whose new (laughs) country-inspired album, Coming Home To You, is out now. As he flirts with the first UK number one album as a solo artist in 27 years, let's say a big hello to the delicious Michael Ball. Hello, hello, hello. That's an entrance.
2: (laughs) You look well. So do you. No,
3: seriously, you look amazing. What have you been doing? Um, I
7: bet I've i been going to the gym I yeah. don't, I'm not drinking as much look I'm fantastic. looking after myself You bit. look fantastic Well I've got a tour coming up So you've got to get in peak shape
2: Yeah well you didn't for the last one No I know that. <laughs> and That's why I'm doing it now <laughs> <laughs> And the last one I was there with Alfie who's
1: You had a right laugh white. though Oh we did have a laugh You
2: did didn't you yeah. It wasn't that kind of tour was it It was a boys on tour it tour It was a boys on tour tour Alright oh, okay So t- tell us about the- I don't know anything about new album Tell me more about it You know it. nothing it- about the no, new album Well I could read about it But I'd rather you tell okay, me about it Okay I'll tell you
7: about it So it's the first solo for for I think four or five years right. because of, of, of the Alfie stuff. Four of the tracks I've written myself. Nice. Um, with, uh, two with Ben, uh, Ben Earl from the Shires. Right. And Jack McManus, married to the lovely Martine a mm-hmm. Great singer-songwriter. Uh, Jimmy Webb wrote and written me a song on it, uh, which is lovely. And, uh, and then a load of covers as well. And the, the, the idea, the, the, the thought behind it, Started uh, at the end of last year, and I was I, I listened to the going to going back Goffin and King song, Carol King, and uh, done by Dusty, of course, and that sort of s- sparked my mind to think about the songs I listened to growing up, that sort of West Coast Americana uh, singer songwriter songs, and that's the kind of, of, of album I wanted to make. So,
2: so the album's called Coming Home to You. Is that yeah. you coming home to music, or, or no? That's it? me coming home. That, the, the, that's the first song I wrote.
7: The inspiration behind it. You must think this. We go off and we do these amazing things. You know, we, we follow our dreams all around the world, yeah. all around the country. We do it because we're coming home to something that's... that's it's the same for everybody. If you know that there's a place to come home to where you're safe, where you're happy, where you're secure, where your dogs are, yeah.
2: then it's worth doing. And it's funny that, isn't it? It releases you. Yeah, th- that, um, that perspective is so helpful as well when you go and do whatever it is you do for a living. Because you do it so much better because you're so much freer. Yeah. And, and, and the real thing... And there's is, a point to it. and yeah, There's a point to it, but the thing that's really important is back at home for you. And once you, once you have that stability, you just feel, not invincible, but you just feel like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it doesn't
7: matter if it isn't, because you can go home. home. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the best feeling.
2: It is the best feeling in the world. Um, so coming home to you, it's out now. It's going to be number one on Friday. Don't and, say that. We don't know no, that. No, they, they, do. they do. They already know. People know things. Do they? <laughs> Who are these no, people? I, don't, I know your little eyes are like that. I actually don't, I don't, I, I don't know. It but would be amazing. No, but I think they're saying it's going to be your first number one album for 27 years. Yeah.
7: Well, we because we, we, it doesn't count with me and Alfie. I have to share that money.
2: Do you? Yeah. Oh, half, that's not half, he gets that's It gets half the money. It's ridiculous. Do you want to gavel half? Gavel half for Alfie? <laughs> Go on. Gavel, Alfie. gavel, You get... Fifty percent. Thank you. Okay, beautiful. No problem at all. And is it thanks to the last years, uh, last couple of years of liberté, égalité, and fraternité yeah. uh, that you, that you are where you are now? do you oh, think? I, I, without a question.
7: Um, I, I didn't think we'd I'd ever see a number one album again. To have had the two with with Alfie, it, it just it, it sets you back on a on a trajectory, and people reevaluate what you do, and and it also then gives you the freedom to do the music. On your own that you wanted. Well,
2: again, we talked about flow earlier on. It brings back the flow. You're back in the river, aren't you? Yeah. You don't. You know. You're you're going with everything that's right. You you. It's your time again. When you played Carfest, it was so funny because uh, Michael came backstage. He said, "He said, what do you think? What do you think they're going to think of us? They're going to love you. You and you had the best reception of the weekend. You you couldn't believe it, could you? No. It
7: Carfez. was it was. Inc- well, we're we're following all these big rock bands, big names, and there's we thought, oh, are they really going to want to see us? <laughs> <laughs> but we did put together quite a fun set. No,
2: you did, but and you were a
7: little bit worried about it, Yeah, you? well, I'm worried about every show. Because you care, because you care. I do, I yeah. do, and I love what I'm doing, and I'm... The only thing I ever set out to do is make people feel better than before I've done something for them. Yeah, and that's why we do what we do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to get that kind of response,
2: it was so funny because I was sitting on stage and you looked at me in the second number and I said, "All right, and you went, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great,
7: yeah." And then <laughs> so I there wasn't was drinking. A you big, brought a juicy, te- juicy
2: expletive in there. You well. brought on <laughs>
7: tequila and made us. No, s- I didn't. You did. No, I
2: didn't. Swine it. It. it was, effect. Effect. It was cough that. medicine.
7: It was not it cu- cough medicine. And then we pretended to drink. We went, no, 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 drink it. I've never had a drink on stage before. I'm doing it again. <laughs> I enjoyed that, I'll tell you, it, did. it really alone, was it? good.
2: The Wham medley went down a storm after that. <laughs> Wham, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. Uh, 25 minutes was all over. That was just the Wham medley. Um, now, your, your audience, are they downloaders or are they still physical CD people? Uh,
7: they're more physical CDs. Yeah. I, know, I know certainly for Ball Bo and Bow... I mean, that was the actual physical amounts, kind of bucked the trend yeah, yeah. Uh, of what they were doing. So over a million. Did you
2: do what? a vinyl? Would you do uh, what? Over a <laughs> over a million? <laughs> really? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Wow. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Over um, a million. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the march of the weekend. <laughs> Oh my God! Did you see the march of the weekend? Of course, I saw the. That's march how of many the people bought your album. I know. Is that what you thought? That's mad. Isn't <laughs> That's it? what I would have thought. I <laughs> thought, oh look, maybe they all bought my album. <laughs> they could have all bought my album because that many people did. Maybe not all them, but some of them, perhaps. Uh, how, what do you think the split is between your fans, uh, remainers and leavers? Oh, it doesn't matter. Wow. Just, don't no, even answer no, I it. Don't
7: well, even answer it. Why not?
2: Because it's, it's not worth it.
7: Because I go. Don't know. I don't know what yeah, the split would be. Do. I would know. say. I would and say no, probably
2: fifty-fifty. No, no, does it? Well, forty-eight fifty-two. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm mean, not quite but sure. changing. Much, right? <laughs> uh, so you know, you. I mean, you look. You look very handsome as always on the front cover of your album. But you look better now. And when you look better than your album cover, that's when you know you're on your game. You're so on your game. You are a sweet-talking fool, Christopher. I've Thank always you. found you handsome, but never, never a- attractive to the point in which are you know where well, you would. There's a man crush going on, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're there. Yeah, I think we're there. A couple mate. of pints, mate. I think we're there. <laughs> we went out. We've been out a couple of times, haven't we? Um, we once went, we once went to a party. Or I won't say no names again. No, no. We once went to a party uh, where a certain member of our group had to be carried in. Carried in or carried yeah, out? In. in. Carried in. in. Carried,
7: in. In. carried yeah. in. That is oh, a party. Yeah. That is, but we used to rock and roll, didn't we, I was, I was pounced on
2: by, I won't say <laughs> her name. <but laughs> one, I wasn't one,
1: even going to say her gender. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio.
2: So why are we in a pickle? Um, we're in a pickle simply because of this. And this is irrefutable. This is irrefutable, okay? We're in a pickle because in 2016, what happened was, in politics, the equivalent of one of those high street surveys where you're walking along, you've got, you got a spare minute, and um, some lovely, beautiful young thing says, uh, excuse me, can, do, can I have a minute of your time? And you say, well, as long as you're not trying to sell me anything or you're not a charity mugger, yes, you can, absolutely you can. And then they ask you a question you, that you've never thought about before because it's never come onto your radar. And you, you come up with an opinion there and then because you've been asked. And that's what happened in 2016. It was UKIP's nationwide high street survey and completely justified from their point of view. Absolutely. And we all, many of us, 30 odd million decided to give them an answer, to give them a minute. That's something some people thought about it more. But here's what we were talking about yesterday. Just bear this in mind. Over the last, for me, 50-odd years, you know, so, so since I've been talking about stuff like this, so 30-odd so years, have you ever discussed with one of your friends anywhere in your life, be it on holiday, on a plane, in the queue for a bus, you know, at school, um, in the pub, when you're drunk, when you're sober, at a party, you know, in detention? Have you ever discussed what you think of our relationship with the European Union? No. We, we talked about potholes, we talked about nurses, we talked about middle, but we never talked about it. It was UKIP's thing, which is fine. Good, well, good on you, UKIP. Um, and then somehow they got to hold this this national high street survey, and we all came up with an answer, and and it stopped everything for three years, and it might stop it for another two. That's the issue. Um, so we could get Farage on if we got. There's only one reason we'd get Nigel Farage on, and that would be to ask him what he would ask the Holy Trinity of opinion givers this morning if he were doing this show, and we managed to bag them on the telephone, and that would be. Mr Farage, what, if you could ask one question to David Cameron this morning, what would it be? One question to Theresa May this morning, what would it be? And um, one question to Jacob Rees-Mogg, what would it be? We could get him on for that, or we could just not bother and talk about this instead. <laughs> It is the Sunday Times magazine, but who the heck edits it? Uh, Dapper Dave will tell you now.
3: Sitting on the sofa, enjoying a nice cup of tea, you open the latest glossy edition of the Sunday Times magazine, and not once do you think of the lady that puts it all together. Well, no more. Please welcome the editor of the Sunday Times magazine, Eleanor Mills. Good
2: morning, Eleanor. Hello. Welcome. How are you today? Oh, pretty good. Nice to be here. Okay, so you have you have newspapers, you have the dailies, you have the Sundays, and they're going to be, well, we know what they're going to be full of this weekend. Preparing the magazine uh, for the Sunday Times, my favourite magazine in the world, literally in the world, Thank is an you. entirely different matter. How do you go about it?
8: Well, it takes a lot of time. Lots of things in there to have taken like a year or so to set up. Other things we think, oh, that's interesting and we jump on it. And this weekend we're trying to give everybody a bit of a break from Brexit.
2: <laughs> we can run away to the Sunday Times magazine and uh, Game On is the headline on the front page of this weekend Sunday Times magazine, a copy of which we have in front of us. Now, who are those... Uh, Who's that handsome couple?
8: Well, we've got Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons. We've got an exclusive visit to the set of the final uh, series of Game of Thrones.
2: Well, how very dare you! And now, how, did you get to go?
8: I didn't actually get to go on this one, which I was a bit gutted about because I'm a mega throner. Have been, all, you know, for years and years and years. I
2: watched my first episode of Game of Thrones this week. Wow. Episode one, Latecomer. series one, because they're all on demand on Sky. Yeah, you can watch the whole lot. Yeah, all seven series ahead of the eighth series, which hits the screens in April. Do you remember where you were when you watched your first episode of Game of Thrones and what effect did it have on you?
8: Uh, well, I was sitting on the sofa with my husband watching it because he's watched the, the he's read the books for years and he was watching it and I was going, what is this rubbish? And he was going, no, no, <laughs> bear with it. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Who are these people? What is happening? And actually, the more I watched it, the more I got into it. And he now teases me because I hated it so much when I first watched it.
2: Game of Thrones has transformed people's lives in Northern Ireland where it is filmed. Uh, Jamie East meets the locals who've become part of the adventure. Beards, wolves and extras. And it was filmed also in Iceland, was it, as well, I think? Yeah, as
8: well Iceland as and Spain, Ireland. I think. But the main thing is in Belfast, most of the places are in Northern Ireland. Um, Winterfell, the big castle just outside Belfast, all those kind of coastal scenes all filmed there. And it's had an amazing effect on the local economy.
2: OK, Rachel, what what of you and Northern Ireland, uh, your, your birthplace and Game of Thrones? What of me?
8: Yeah. I, I, well, well,
9: I would like to go on a Game of Thrones tour. No, no Surely there is. Something. because you're from now. Northern
2: Ireland, have you had experience of I right? haven't, no, okay, do because your friends and family have been in it at all. No, <laughs> no. Sorry, you have nothing to offer. You're from Northern Ireland, for heaven's sake. No, but I've lived over here for about yeah, eighteen years. But you're always banging on about the homeland.
9: Well, yes, but my family are down in Fermanagh, and Game of Thrones was filmed all up around Belfast and the north. Yeah, but it's country.
2: not China, is it? It's if not Game that of, far. If Game of Thrones is around the corner from Maybe, us. I think we'd be there. If I
9: go home, I go to see my <laughs> mum <mom> and dad. <laughs> well, haven't your mum and dad been? No, they're not a fan of the show. Well, how do you know? Maybe I should get them into it. Yeah, I think yeah You, you have to get them into right.
2: it. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so Game of. Game of Thrones uh, this uh, Sunday, yes, and we're very we excited about Sunday Times magazine front cover. And you yourself, your story. How did you get to become editor of the Sunday Times magazine?
8: I uh, worked for the Sunday Times for a very long time. I've right. been there for nearly twenty years. But I've done I've done lots and lots of different things in that time. I was the main interviewer on the paper. I, re- I ran the um, comment and analysis bit. Okay, piece. one
2: interview that you stand by. Uh, you know, uh, put it put on your own in your own um, epitaph.
8: Uh, oh, I I did Mikhail Gorbachev, who was did completely really? amazing, did the most really? charismatic man ever. For those of you who are quite young, he was the uh, leader of the Soviet Union when they had Glasnost and Perestroika and became a lot more he's liberal. The,
2: he's the, basically, he's the opposite of um, what's going of on. Of Putin, on. yeah. yeah he, he was a, he was a peacemaker. A he
8: just had the most incredible charisma. Really, really? I would have run kind of out of the interview room and followed him back to Russia. He's amazing. See, that's a
2: proper person to interview. So if if you had if you had some people on this morning, what kind of things would you be asking them?
8: Well, what, what would Gorbachev do about Brexit? That's that would we be need a good to question. In, don't we? Yeah, we need I think, to get
2: some alternative thinkers in. I
8: think. Yeah, and I did the famous interview with Theresa May where she wore the leather trousers. Was
2: that
5: you?
8: Yeah, that was me. Hang
2: on, Listen,
5: amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's
2: all going on. And um, out of your your Sunday Times front covers, um, since you've been in charge, how many years have you been? in charge of the magazine
8: Uh, I've probably done about
2: 150 okay so your best cover that you're most proud of
8: Um, we did a really good one of Boris Johnson as a a Marilyn Monroe blonde with the headline (laughs) blonde ambition (laughs) because <laughs> he wouldn't give us a photo shoot. We wanted to photograph him with a fat cigar being Churchill right. and he and he opted out of that probably sensibly and so we had to do something so in desperation we mocked him up as a, um, you know, Warhol blonde. Did people love
2: that? It looked fantastic. We won cover of the year. Oh, hang on. There you go. There's the blonde ambition. He looks... Oh, look at that. Well, good work there, Mira. Good work. That was very efficient. That was. Now, I think he looks a bit, bit more like Grayson Perry than Mariner Monroe. there, don't he you does, He does look a bit like Grayson Perry
8: but it's the kind of ambition bit that we were very excited
2: about uh, so, so you work in the building um, how far away from us are you
8: I am um, three floors now. no I can't I can't it up five floors down oh, but Ellen, it's,
1: it's lovely to work with you oh thanks okay. it's
8: great to have you in the building we love it
1: the best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky Virgin Radio
0: quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side
3: The word busy doesn't come close to describing our next guest's life. Soon to be treading the boards in Arthur Miller's All My Sons and back on our screens in the new series of ITV's Victoria. Everyone please curtsy for the majestic Jenna Coleman.
2: Yes, Sunday nights are all right uh, for fighting. If you are a uh, a revolting peasant, lots of that going on in episode... What didn't happen in episode one of Seriously (laughs) of Victoria? I watched it yesterday afternoon. I I wasn't ready for it, Victoria.
10: Yeah. Revolution, Chartists, yes. Labour. The Chartists. To, there's a
2: people's vote. They're going for the people's I vote. Know, it's I know. unbelievable. I know. It's so prescient. Well, it was so prescient, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so what's going on, first of all, with the. Well, they're not the electorate yet, but they want to be, don't they? So, they're demanding a vote. They're demanding a people's charter back yes. in Victorian times. Tell us about that.
10: Well, the, uh, the, the French king has just been overthrown. Imposed, yeah. Yep. And um, turns up on Victoria's doorstep. So to speak,
2: because of the family connection with Avec, yeah, Albert,
10: yeah, yeah, and really? um, and I and I think as well, like geographical, you know, you had to literally toxicity. get out of the country. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to read in her diaries of him actually turning up in in rags. Because you've done all this, room. you
2: you. I remember last <laughs> time you said you read all the diaries to get up to speed with thoughts. Yeah, going on. yeah,
10: I try. I like, I mean, some of her diaries are literally, you know, there's like a, two lines, you know, had dinner, right. Quite alone, <laughs>
2: <laughs> lots you <know>? of it. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so Louis comes over. Louis comes over.
10: Louis
2: comes over because he's got literally got nowhere else to go, and he can't go east. So he's got to come over the water. Yeah, simple
10: as that. Yeah, for protection, and she and she gives him a place to live as well. Um, uh, but it it sparks off. Revolution is kind of sparking off around Europe. So for the first time, Victoria's position as queen is threatened
2: okay and she feels threatened
10: she feels threatened okay yeah. but
2: she's also about to give birth yeah she's
10: massive <laughs> which,
2: which child is this which number child is
10: this oh God, I can't remember I think it's number six it, I think
2: <laughs> oh, this, it. it's at least number six isn't it's it? It? at
10: least number six but there's there's no, number seven within the series as well
2: good excellent
10: another labour Love scene
2: perfect. to come perfect okay. now there's also a new buddy <laughs> he's a proper buddy isn't he Lord, oh.
10: Pa- Lord Palmerston oh Lord Palmerston he's yes he's horrible she hated him <laughs> When you read her diaries, she if she doesn't like someone, she really does but, not like I mean, like
2: hes them. So, I was booing at the screen. He's like, oh, you're horrible. You are, mate. So so Lord Palmerston, uh, the German translation of that is pickles, Pickle Stone. Pilgerstein. Pilgerstein.
10: Well, that's Albert's nickname for him, is Lord it, Pilgerstein.
2: Which means Pickle Stone, does yes. it? pickle uh, jar or something. I like can't that. remember. And I, when I was trying to say this before, Anton says, "Oh, right, but your your Prince Albert accent are supposed to be German, sounds French, but that's because he sounds for a bit French on the on the show." Who do you think? Well, I did yesterday. Mind you, I was tired. I've been <laughs> up for hours. <laughs> be, anyway, so so he's played by Lawrence Fox. Yes. Okay, so Lawrence is new on the show. Yes. Okay, and and he does Baddie very well. <laughs> he seems to really sort of. Love the part,
10: you know. He's got that, um, you know, he's got one of those sticks like that. It was a bit like a Willy Wonka stick, and as soon as he had that prop in his hand, it was almost like you know, he became the kind of annoying <laughs> prodding, uh, and I think you got kind of real joy, real joy out of that.
2: When you do a really serious scene, or you know, when because you, you are, you are Victoria visibly, viscerally, obviously abhors this, new, yeah. this <laughs> new, this new, new kid on the block. When you've done a really serious scene. I, w- I would love to see what happens if the cam- when the cameras carry on running. Do you all just burst into laughter?
10: Um, usually, well, to be honest, it's usually you know like it will be a scene like. You know, Albert, we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to leave. We need to protect our children. And then the child is usually next to you, like, "Mom, my knickers are stuck up my bum," <laughs> no. like during a take. And then you're like, "Albert, we," have, you know. So it's more about <laughs> yeah. it. Kind of becomes like um, outnumbered. It's outnumbered, yeah. isn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, the chi- yeah. You know, the children improvising around you, well, and you having to carry on in the kind of political sphere that you're in, and trying to not laugh.
2: Okay. Now, also, a long, uh, long lost German sister half sister pitches up as well. Yeah, this, this is all in the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she she arrives in She uh, she arrives in rags. It's a it's a bit I'm of a Rag and Bone show, isn't it? It. it? it is a Rag and Bone show episode 1.
10: Yeah, yeah, she arrives via um a little canoe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So she's putting all of these long-lost relatives up for, that have issues in Europe.
10: Yeah,
6: yeah.
11: Well,
10: there you are. Of knocks on the palace door <laughs> in episode one. She
2: needs to back control. <laughs> uh, all right, so, so this is ongoing. So that's just episode one yeah. of series three of Victoria. Exhausted to talk about, exhausted <laughs> to watch. Goodness knows what it's
1: like to make. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio.
3: You know her from Help My House Is Falling Down, Beanie's Restoration Nightmare, and Property Ladder, amongst others. Basically, if she's anywhere near your house, you need to pay attention. She's back tonight at 8pm with Renovate Don't Relocate on Really. It's the brilliant Sarah Beanie. Good
2: morning, Sarah. Good morning. How about that for an intro? That is amazing. Yeah. What about pay attention or pay God. the price? That's the thing, oh, yeah. isn't it? Pay attention or pay the price. <laughs> okay. Sarah, how did you begin all this?
9: Gosh. Um, well... Oh wow! Well, it goes back a long way actually. Yeah. Um, telly, I started. Uh, I went to a hen party and someone asked me to be to come and do a screen test. Right. Um, but property, um, I guess, from a really early age, my dad was a, an architect. Right. And uh, so he was. I had to. You know, in those days. Like, this is like in 1402 when I was born um, but uh, they, um, they, I had to go and sit on uh, sit at meetings that he had and, he, and in those days you didn't have someone's phone to play with so I used to go through the glove compartment which was really boring which just had tape measures and things and so I'd spend a lot of time looking at scale rules and tape measures and he would be on site meetings for hours probably it was actually 20 minutes but I thought it was hours um, so uh, I guess I was around sites a lot as a child
2: Because you do speak the language fluently I know you've been doing it for years now, but it seems to go back when you're watching it. This comes from deep within you, I think. You know, you, you're very fluent with what you're talking about.
9: Yeah, well, we all, we all I think there's a perceived um, knowledge, there's a perception that everything you know, everybody else knows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you meet people who think things you know are, are amazing, but actually, I sort of think I don't know anything much. But then I meet people who don't know anything about the things I know and think, gosh, you really. Don't know anything at all about anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I thing. think I got that. <laughs> now, of course, these are so useful. These programs, and we love them and adore them. But what's the pressure like to always be delivering new information?
9: Well, I, I think it's the, It's not new information it's the same information but seen from a slightly different angle I mean Renovate Don't Relocate this series yeah. which is really exciting I've wanted to do this show for years and years and years um, came about when um, when I had small children and I used to go through people's front doors and and then you'd kind of climb the mountain of buggies and wellies and, and coats and then and then you'd open the left door you know the the first front room of yeah. a t- sort of traditional Victorian house and it would be completely empty and they'd go oh no that's our best room we don't use that <laughs> and it was completely empty and you'd climb over all this stuff. And I thought, gosh, it's weird. And then they'd say, we've got to, we've got to move because we're running out of space. And you think we've well, been in that room literally for probably an hour and a half the last year because um, it's kept the best. Um, and I thought, gosh, isn't it interesting that we, we live the way we live and we think we run out of space, but actually we don't run out of spa- space. We just think we do. And if you actually knocked all the walls down and put other walls up in different places and rearranged it all... You might find your house is twice the size.
2: So you're thinking you're thinking yourself into more space than as you've thought yourself out of the space that you actually have, and you've sort of forgotten about.
9: Yes, I think it's just stepping outside how you live and looking back into it and going. Oh, yeah. And that's what's really <laughs> clever about this show, actually. It's like
2: the in-out smell. You know, if somebody's, co- somebody's cooking up a storm <laughs> in the kitchen and you you just arrive because you have the out-y-any smell. So you, you've arrived out of the fresh air and you can smell the food, but nobody yeah. who's been in the house can smell how great the meal is you're about to have. So you say, Everybody outside! Come yeah. yeah. outside! <laughs> we, don't to that. we say, Get that outside. That's so true. That's what we do. We make our kids go out. When mum's been really working, you know, for a proper dinner, I make the kids go in the garden so they can come back in and smell how great mum's talent for cooking that is. is.
9: A brilliant idea. Right, that's it. In-out smell. It also works for smelly people.
2: As well, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yes. No. So you renovate, don't relocate. Uh, but is the name of the initiative. But ironically, you are relocating yourself. Lots of people have said,
9: "Well, uh, you know, how come you're telling people not to do it?" And I'm then not you're saying doing that. It? I'm, just, I'm just
2: interested in your farm. I don't really care about that.
9: Well, uh, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we we have moved. We've moved to Somerset, which is amazing. And we moved last summer, and it's been a big move. I have to say, moving a family of six to Somerset. Part part of the reason I didn't do it before is I was a little bit. Um, I th- it's really complicated stuff, like finding the new dentist. I mean, it's it's quite a lot of work it is, it? moving, it is. but um, but we're now six months in, and the kids are really happy in their new school, and which you know, happy kids, happy parents, isn't yeah.
2: it? Really, well, happy wife, happy life. Well, happy kids, absolutely. happy wife, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, that's that's the husband's version of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, right you've got some (laughs) great life hacks uh, that you've been uh, that were in the mirror at the weekend via your good self you have to soak your wallpaper or you wake up in the morning to find bubbles in it i have never wallpapered in (gasps) <gasps> never oh my ever
9: god do you just know the thought of it scares really the honestly out of me. you would enjoy it no, it's I'm, very cathartic
2: I might enjoy it but I don't think the wall would or the wallpaper or. it's it's easy to fix it's easy <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing though when you, try, when you try and fix your own car you end up spending like three times more at the garage because you've messed it all up by trying to fix the, the no, most but there's something really
9: enjoyable about about. I recently wallpapered one of my son's bedrooms I have to admit I have got people to wallpaper at times in my life Right. but I just recently wallpapered uh, where we moved to Somerset um, we only we had four bedrooms I've got uh, I've got four sons so there was one bedroom short and my husband thought they should share and I thought that means how do I send them to their room if they're sharing a room so uh-huh. obviously I need another room so there was a cupboard and I said who would like to sleep in the cupboard and one of my sons said I'll sleep in the cupboard and I thought brilliant that's excellent so then feeling a bit guilty that one of them was sleeping in a cupboard I thought <laughs> I'll wallpaper it <laughs> with really crazy and exciting wallpaper and I did it myself and I had a really nice time. Is he
2: still in the cupboard? He... He is I'm in the worried cupboard. about the kid in the cupboard. No, I, I, Harry Potter turned out all
9: right. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Oh, He's good okay self. With his good go with
2: that one then. So you have 220 <laughs> acres in your new farm. Yeah, um, with and sheep. You can, so you can literally count sheep if you need to, because you do look well. You look like you've had plenty of sleep. So it yes, must be working. I, I, it's
9: absolutely yeah. There's a there's a lot of sheep, and um, we're building a new house, which is exciting. Oh, that is good. Um, but so we're like, in. A house what about already? the kid in the
2: cupboard? He's not going to be in the cupboard anymore. Well, what happens if we just leave? Him? No. <laughs> no, do you know? his
9: bed the, the problem with the cupboard is it wasn't long enough for a, for a proper bed and he's at the moment 10 and I did say we have to finish the new house before, before he's he eighteen. out of because he <laughs> won't fit in the room
2: because no, he's I get it. kids grow I know it's, yeah, this is not breaking news like
9: he's literally got to get out before he so goes.
2: can I can I just on his behalf <clears> can he not get the pick of the bedrooms in the new house once they're done because uh, he's been in the cupboard
9: I, I think he he probably will do you know that weirdly yeah. his brothers say that he's the favourite I'm like well, he's in the cupboard. He
2: can't be the <laughs> Yeah, but he's special because you give him in the cupboard like a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> he is lovely. <laughs> do, you, do you think he might actually one day progress to like um, a display cabinet?
9: Oh, actually, I could put him in <laughs> the glass up. doors. Here's look. our favourite child. Look,
2: yeah.
9: look there's Raffi in the cupboard. Um, yeah, no, he's. Uh, yeah, that's actually quite a good idea. All right,
2: yeah. OK. It's the only one I've had for weeks. <laughs> the most Listen, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio.
2: Now, I know we've talked about decluttering before, but Vassa and I, we just had this conversation off the air, which is a typical uh, Marie Kondo uh, conversation. It's a myth-busting conversation. So, Vassar, you were talking about two items. You cited two items. And just briefly, if
5: you can recount those two items for us. On the air, please, thank you. So we had a big clear-out. Well, I had a big clear out just before I went to Australia and I was going through old stuff, mostly clothes, but I came across folded in the clothes an old letter from when Emily, who's now 14, 15 on Friday, was learning to write, I love you, Babby, it said, because the B's and the D's were the wrong way round. And I thought, well, I'm not getting rid of that because that makes me happy. So with with a marine condo test... That makes me happy, so I kept. And then, uh, but the jumper that it was folded in was this quite posh jumper that I was bought a few years ago and every time I wear it, which is about once every two years, Caroline says I look nice in it, but I just don't like it and it makes me so I got rid of that.
2: Yeah, which is all fine. That's all fine. And it's very admirable that you Mm. did any of that in the first place. Mm. However, she would say, beware those situations. In her book, she says, beware those situations because they are obvious. Okay, that's obvious. You obviously don't like one thing and you obviously adore another thing. Mm. First of all, uh, you're not, she says, uh, one of her golden tips is you don't tidy or discard. First of all, you discard. You keep discarding, discarding for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So you've got rid of everything that you don't want or doesn't spark joy, but you don't do it room by room. You do category by category. So you never do sentimental and procedural at the same time. And you leave sentimental until the, till the last week of discarding things because by then you'll have built up this sort of mechanism for, for judging things. Hmm. And you don't – often people start with the most sentimental stuff. Big mistake. So she says start with clothes because we've all got too – most of us have got yeah. miles, miles too many clothes. Uh, and so you start with clothes. And then she says you do books. And then papers – non-important papers and then kimonos and kimonos is everything that you use like vacuum cleaners kitchen utensils stuff like that um she she will say for example um when you come to sentimental things because you don't have to because because the rule there could be her her say your potential pitfall there would be the fact that you're going to keep everything that your kids wrote to you because if you can, i mean it doesn't take more than like you know, half a second to, to, to will yourself back into how much you love your children, how much that meant to you, and you're back in the moment, aren't you? But if that's she would say, if that's already given you loads of joy, you can say goodbye to it and thank it for the joy it's given to you and move on. Because the, the memory of mm. that, the memory of your, your, your daughter writing to you and not getting her bees, her D's, D's the right way around, and they're becoming Babby instead of Daddy, that's in you. You don't need the paper for that.
5: Yeah, well, I, yeah, it reminded me of it, but I, and also, I don't want my daughter to be f- four again, or however old she was. I, I love her as a fourteen-year-old as she is now.
2: Yeah, but it's, but it's, as you can see, it's a bit—it's more complicated. And in the end, it ends up because this is why you might end up having to tidy up every spring forever. Where well, she says you just do one big tidy once in your life and you never have to tidy up again and cut to the chase. The reason it works is because once you've discarded everything and you take it all out, so you never, st- you never tidy from a wardrobe out. You take it all out of the wardrobe. So the wardrobe is empty. So the wardrobe has a little moment of, of peace and tranquility and space and getting its breath back. Things like that. But then, once you start to put everything back, it all has a place. And then from, from then on forever, you just put it back where it belongs. And that's how you keep your house tight.
1: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
2: Dapper Dave who do we have on our show next please
3: one is a world famous pop star one is a world famous driver they have two things in common both present the new classic car show Mission Ignition starting on Channel 4 this Saturday and both have exceptionally defined jawlines please welcome Howard <laughs> Donald and Dario Frankitti that is true who wrote that Dave was
2: that you I wrote that. Well, well done well done the just... intro that was, that thanks. was so thanks Dave <laughs> okay and it's very accurate as well that's very accurate I don't think we've ever had two jawlines of such perfection or, or standard in together at the same time. You could slice your cheese on them. You really could. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. So we have Dario and we have Howard. Uh, should we talk about the show first or you first? Let's get, the show, let's get the show out there first. Half past eight tomorrow, Channel 4. Now, I described it earlier as Bake Off for Mechanics. <laughs> Are you happy with that or not? <laughs> I've never watched Bake well, Off. Well, it gets about 10 million views, so that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, there. Mega, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the <that's laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so I, I could explain the format, but it's your show. So one of you go first. Go how, on how it works? Go on, Dario. You go first. Two teams, amateur
5: mechanics mechanics. They basically get cars in complete kit form. They're laid out in kit form and they've got a day to rebuild them. Whoever rebuilds it first, starts the thing up, they get to win the car. But there's no instructions and um, Howard and I really
2: aren't much help to be honest. Okay, it is a fascinating show. I watched it last night. So you take two perfectly beautiful and they're perfect. Two perfectly beautiful classic cars. And they are, they are, they are. They are good good to go. I mean, they are absolutely gorgeous, these classic cars. And then Channel 4, take them to bits. That's what happens, isn't it? So it's the reverse of an ethics kit. Yeah, and then we give them this time to put it back together. But it, it, my OCD was struggling with some of the... Putting it back together as quickly as possible. I wanted to line up all the bolt heads. Yes. In, a day. <laughs> in a day. Good luck with that. Yeah.
7: It was the health and safety as well that was a problem on that show, wasn't it? Well, that- People try to lift out engines with... Uh, you know, just basically with their own strength rather than using cranes.
2: <laughs> Dario Franchitti with us, uh, Indy car champion. Uh, you, you and Vassos Alexander went up against each other in a motor race. We did. Where was this? What happened? How come? This is
0: the uh,
5: Silverstone Classic. What, uh, am I right in saying 2017? Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago, yes. it was, and we were all driving. We all had the same cars, which were these 1950s, what were they? Austin A35s. Oh, my goodness but, but, me. They're little bubbles on tiny wheels, basically. Dreadful. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs>
3: you can't and, say
5: And that. it was in the rain. Well, yeah, it was so in the just, rain. We'd had one little practice in the dry a few weeks before, and, I mean, you, you raced. I mean, you had your own... I remember I was we were changing in the same bit and I had the just the race What do you mean through. in the same well,
7: bit? Well, you say I race? That was my first ever race. Oh, was it? I'd done track days. That was my first
5: ever race. But and you I had was... your own overalls and your own helmet, whereas I was taking them while I was borrowing. That's because got, got his track track pointy finger out. <laughs> I did track days, yeah. Um, but just <laughs> before we started... It, it started raining, so not only have these, t- these little cars got tiny tyres, so they're very slippery and and rolly anyway. Yeah,
2: that's called fun, Vasos. <laughs> yeah. that's what that is. That's fun.
5: And then it started raining, so that it was like doing it on an ice rink. People were properly rolling those cars, weren't they? I, yeah, I thought well. I did well to stay on the four wheels. Brian Johnson rolled it, didn't he? I yeah, he did. No, he
2: can drive. He's a proper yeah, he driver. Can. This he is ACD He can't drive that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was on the on the limit. You were were you ever in danger of rolling yours, Vasos?
5: Well, at one no. point. <laughs> my kids, my kids were watching from the stewards' room yes. at Silverstone, and one of the stewards was looking out onto the track and saying, "Look at this idiot! What does he think he's doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and my poor kids had to say, oh, "That's actually our... dad. What,
2: what, what were you doing?
5: I don't know. I don't know. I had been warned about that corner. I'd been warned, just just take it easy through there, just before you come to the start finish straight. Which
2: corner?
5: Were we the, what, the penultimate one. I don't. I can't remember what the name of it is. Oh. Um, but Dario I, Club. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that tricky? They're all they're all tricky vessels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was finding it particularly That's challenging. Stereo Kitty who's saying they're tricky. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it was interesting and I didn't come last. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't come last which I find incredible, to be honest. Um, well, who, who did you beat then? Actually, to be fair, I think it was little teams, wasn't it? Because there, was yeah. the, there was the music team and there was the radio and TV team. Oh, did TV you have changeovers? Uh, no, we all had cars and it was like aggregate. Right. I see. Yeah. And I th- and I think we won. No, when I say I think we won, we did win.
2: Rachel, um, would you like to get involved in the motor racing track day kind of uh, automotive chapter?
6: I have a Ford Galaxy. And you. you and it's great. Yeah, there you Seinks go. The go down in the that, boots. That was. That was. The, that kids was in.
2: the name of a manufacturer there. And then we yeah. had a model of a car. Yeah, it's we blue. had an adjective describing the car. Dark we have blue. another one. And then you have a, an experience in the car. Yeah. That was a car conversation you just there had. There we go. Well, how did it feel? Liberating, Chris. <laughs> I'm
3: free.
1: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. With Sky, the best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio.
3: In the studio now is a guitar god who has absolutely nothing to prove, but he just keeps on proving it. (laughs) Dripping with charisma and armed with Armatopia, his new single, please welcome the peerless, Johnny Marr. Yeah, Johnny! Good morning, good morning. Yeah, thanks.
2: So before we talk about this morning, let's talk about the last time we met. Yeah. What a morning that was.
11: Yeah, last time, it wasn't that long ago, it was about a year ago. Nice digs, by the way. Thank you very much indeed. Very good. And um, I just come back from the States I'd been on tour for about four or five weeks so I was jet lagged like mad it was a, like a July morning and the sun was shining and I was yeah super jet lagged fell out of bed about five o'clock I went for a run around Kensington no one around beautiful sun, summer's morning got good to me ended up doing about 14 miles and it was the day my album was coming out it was that, that day which is fortuitous coming in to see you and um, and uh, I walked into the studio and straight into Kylie comes up to greet me, so I'd, I'd run 14 miles, buzzing, come and say, hang out with you, and I'm greeted by Kylie. She comes up, give me a hug. I'm smelling good. She's smelling good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and my mate, I told
11: my mate this. Is I told him, said so last time I saw Chris, that was a, that was a good day. My <laughs> husband came out. He went. That's a proper Friday showbiz (laughs) launch.
2: That was. I mean, 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 you could give Howard a hug if you want this. one. no, it's okay. I'd I'd go for Dario (laughs) myself. Uh, No offence, Howard. I'd I'd hug you all.
11: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, go ahead, Mr (laughs) Tickle, with those long Greek arms of yours.
11: So the bar was set pretty high there, Chris. I'm expecting good things today. It
2: was. Glastonbury uh, came a-knocking, they came a-calling, and it was a yes from Johnny Marr.
11: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're playing it, it really—it feels momentous when you're doing it, you know. It's, it's you, you never just—you never phone Glastonbury, and it's great. But also um, for everyone around you, the band bands families and everything they want to know when you tell them you're playing Glastonbury. everyone's everyone's already like they've they've booked their bunk on the tour bus you know i mean everyone's everyone's already right in there suddenly the phone's ringing you get all these texts can you get me tickets okay
2: so you're playing Glastonbury this year uh 26th of june 30th of june main stage pyramid stage
11: uh the other stage i think the other stage seven o'clock six o'clock okay which day Saturday.
2: Saturday. And will you stick around or will you be in and out?
11: No, I'm going to stick around that night, I think. We're we're out the next day because we're playing Newcastle, I think. There's a big festival up there called uh, This Is Tomorrow. So I think stick around, get on the bus, wake up in Newcastle and play there.
2: How good is Pete Townsend?
11: It, to me, he's my favourite guitar player from that period in the 60s because he was, he was futuristic.
2: And did he invent smashing guitars up? Was that him?
11: Yeah, 100%, yeah, because he was into that Gustav Meisner, the art, the, the uh, conceptual artist, Destructo Art, Auto Destruction it was called. Yeah, so.
2: so Jimi Hendrix copied Pete Townsend. Yeah. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Because everybody true, thinks yeah. it's the other way around.
11: No, no. Jimi Hendrix was really switched on to what, I mean, you know, as godlike as he was, he, he had a really keen eye on what was going on in the UK, Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton. So when he arrived here, he, he knew that uh, he had a lot of respect for a lot of the guitar players that were coming out.
2: That sound, you know, the, the Smith sound, that yeah. guitar sound, was there a moment that, that, that happened? Because that, that, it's a signature sound, isn't it? That yeah. guitar.
11: I mean, it probably was really. Because what difference does it make was about the fourth song I wrote, and that starts with that rift. And that was the first time it, but it was pretty early on, man. It was only like song three or four. And then when this charming man was probably the one that I'm sort of, that people sort of knew me for early days, I think.
2: Well, God, <laughs> it's just great talk. I love talking to you, it. You like
11: your guitars, don't you, Chris? Yeah. Well, like,
2: yeah, but I don't know much about them. I could get That's out.
11: good, yeah, like, yeah he's, he's I like, you he's always enthusiastic. I
2: just, I just love it, I just love it. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. <laughs> Sometimes you actually answer my questions, which is great. The man who charms us with this guitar happens to be here, Johnny. Just re 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 tell the story on air of of the moment that you woke up and that riff happened. It happened to you, didn't it? Yeah,
11: it did. Yeah. Well, it was you know again. It was a well, it was a rare sunny uh, start of start of summer day in Manchester, and the window was open a little bit. I was 19 and. Uh, and uh, I knew I had some homework to do because we had a John Peel session the following week. And so I, I knew I, I had a song to write because we were short of a song. And, um, but... Uh Maybe It was a combination of the feeling of the day the breeze coming through the window and I just felt really up, super, super up. Pulled my guitar into this little tape machine, Akai okay, tape machine, and that riff came out and the whole, the whole bit of music was done in like three and a half minutes.
2: So who was the first person you played it to?
11: I played it to our manager then, Joe Moss, and then I played it to Morrissey. I gave him the cassette that I'd done and uh, he took it away. And That was on the Friday and then by the Monday. He probably nailed it by the Friday night because he was so prolific. I would give him, a, all the way through the band's career, I'd give him a tape of a, a backing track like that, and the song would be written within 24 hours.
2: And do you think there's a moment in, you know, when... when and you, it's usually when you're younger. Uh, you know, is there a moment, is there a period in, in musicians' lives, like the Beach Boys, the Beatles, yourselves, where you just can't, you can't... It's, it's, there's, it's not that there's no effort in writing, but you just can't, you just literally... You know, open the vein and it flows out, and there you go,
11: boom. Yeah, I mean, the Smiths. Luckily for us, we were inspired until we stopped. We, the, the band weren't together really that long. You know, we had such a, such an impact because we were only together like five years. I was twenty four when the band split up, and but we, we we were so prolific, but we were so inspired. That's why we were prolific. We couldn't really stop ourselves. We were so high with it. And I always say about the Smiths what was was really I'm really proud of, uh, proud of a lot of things with the band, but that no one, no manager or no record company or anyone had to have a pep talk with and say, "Listen, you have got to raise the bar. You've got to the next single's got to do better. You've got to no could no one could keep up with us. Really, mm. we, we were like two steps ahead of ourselves all the time. So we were really." really high with it and one of the reasons why the music there's a few reasons but that music people still like it but one of the reasons is because there's just a ton of enthusiasm in it when we were recording it I know myself personally I was like I was walking like three feet off the ground
2: in a way they were very sort of 60s inspired the songs because they were all most of them were really short and they were really energetic and they were really compact as well
11: there was a Smith song that was like 2 minutes 18 that was because Buzzcocks had done done one that was 2 minutes 19
1: (laughs) That's
2: right. So we want it to be
1: faster. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.
1: Hi.